Welcome to season two of the Primal Foundations podcast. Today we have Coach Bronson Dant, the author of the Ultimate Ketogenic Fitness Book. With over a decade of experience in the fitness and nutrition space, Coach Bronson has devoted himself to helping individuals improve their strength and metabolic health. In this episode, we talk about Coach Bronson's personal fitness journey, discuss the importance of understanding one's why, and examine the crucial roles of nutrition and building muscle have on one's quality of life. Thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Primal Foundations Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Pascola. We will dive into what I believe are the four central foundations you need for a healthy lifestyle. Strength, nutrition, movement, and recovery. Get ready to unlock your path to optimal health and enjoy the episode. Coach Bronson, welcome to the Primal Foundations Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Tony. Appreciate it. Yeah, you are premiering season two. Uh, I'm excited to have you on, and I know all the listeners are going to be super excited. Yeah, it's cool. I like it. I always uh, like talking with other coaches because I think the conversation is a little different. Um, a lot of t- by coaches, I mean people that have a fitness coaching background, right? So there's a lot of health coaches, nutrition coaches, mindset coaches, things like that. Um, but there's a different mindset, I think, a different way that we approach things, having actually worked one-on-one in person with people from a physical ability perspective. Um, the conversations are always, for me, because that's my background, that's where I started. So I feel like these are my fun, uh, these are my playtime, my fun time talking to other people that kind of grew up on the same playground as I did. Yeah, love to chop it up and talk shop, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. So let's uh, let's get started by you know, painting the picture for the listeners of, of your fitness journey and kind of the moment you decided to, you know, take your health in your own hands. Uh, the moment, the moment of all moments um, was when I was in my late thirties, I uh, was on the beach. My daughter took a picture of me. And later on that day, I saw that picture and um, it just, it changed my world. That one picture changed everything about the direction of my life from to that point. Um, I had a vision of this perception of who I was, this image of who I was in my head. And it was stuck 20 years earlier, right? It was stuck as an 18 year old kid who joined the army, who was in shape, who got out of basic training uh, at 7% body fat and could run, you know, a, a seven minute mile, right? That was, that was the, the vision I had of myself. Um, but here I am in my late thirties, right? Four kids, been married, had a regular job, been out of the, out of active duty for a while. I was in the guard, but not the same. Um, and just had kind of become something that until that photo didn't realize I had become, right? I looked at that photo. I had a gut hanging out. I had man boobs. I just looked completely deflated um, and not the presentation of the strong, virile, young guy that I thought I was. Uh, and that's when I decided something had to change. My The reality of my life and the image I had of my life, the perception of my life came crashing together into this giant cataclysmic event in my mind of, okay, wait a second, something's not right here. You have to do something like you can't, this isn't going to work. Um, and I had a choice. I had to decide either I accept where I'm at and just keep going or I change it because that's not what I want. And that's what I decided to do. I decided to do something about it. So uh, that's where the whole journey started for me. I, you know, my late 30s, almost 40, 
Um, I started looking for, for me, fitness was my first thing. Um, started looking for a fitness solution. It took me a couple of years to find the right thing. Uh, and then finally, when that, that stuck, I made a lot of progress through fitness. Um, then I started, you know, eight, six to seven years later, eight years later, I, um, had another, another picture taken of me at pool. Right. So me, me and water events just don't <laughs> seem to go well. Right. Um, and, you know, at the time, this time now in my mid forties and I'm at a pool party with clients of mine at the gym that I owned, we were having a pool, a gym member pool party at one of my client's homes. And I looked at that as like, that is the same guy from eight years ago. What is going on? This doesn't make any sense. I'm, it was me midair diving off of the diving board in the pool. And I'm like, oh my God, there's no water left in the pool after I land. Like what in the world is going on? This is crazy. Uh, and, you know, and now, and then it was not only was that not the physical presentation that I was looking for, but I'm now feeling like I'm in a position where I'm supposed to be helping other people get healthy. And I'm not even an example of what that looks like myself. You know, and that that was just another layer on top of it. Like, I need to figure out what the hell is going on. Why aren't the things I'm doing working? And they were working from the physical performance perspective. Don't get me wrong. I was stronger. I was faster. I could do a lot more things, but I still had health issues. I still was depressed. I still was overweight, over fat, I should say. Um, and just not, not the presentation of what health should be in a lot of different ways. I had aches and pains. I had, and I couldn't train consistently because I was getting hurt all the time. Like there was always something going on that was like, okay, if all the stuff you're doing was working, why am I still dealing with all these things? It just didn't make sense to me. Um, and then I was re uh, shortly after that, I was introduced to the carnivore diet, and um, that put that that answered every question that I had. It put the final pieces of the puzzle together for me, and I've had a complete picture of health. Pretty much ever since. It took about 90, 90 days to six months for everything to finally come together after I made that change. But within the first 90 days, pretty much I haven't had to worry about anything since. And that was almost six years ago. And now it's, you know, you're, you're a carnivore advocate, coach, because yep. you're, you're, you're in your 50, am I right? 51. 51 and you're yep. absolutely jacked. And, and I mean, going back, like, let's say, 20 years, if somebody told you, Hey, you're going to write a book about yeah, the right. ketogenic diet, would you have been like, no way. Are you kidding me? I, what is, first off, what is that? Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. Sure. If you say so. Number one, number two, me writing a book, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. I couldn't yeah. even write my name. I hated writing my name. Are you kidding me? I can't much less write a book. Yeah. And the, it, the book's great. I didn't read it. I did it on audible, which was, which was great. No, that's, that that's always been, I'm so glad to hear that. Cause I just, yeah. that just happened. Right. Yeah. Um, had a lot of people that have asked about it. So you, was that good? Did you like it? I liked it. It was, it was great. I mean, I'm a big, I try to, you know, if I'm doing something and it's, if it's something I'm interested in, or like, I'm going to have somebody on the podcast and they got a book, I want to do the, yeah. if they have audible, I'm probably going to get it done. If it's, I got to open it up. It's a little difficult, but it's great Fantastic. to go on, the, go on the treadmill, go for walks, go wherever, get your workout in and get it all in. And it's really sure. good too. I know you, and we're going to dive in some of the stuff today, but yeah. it's like a lot of those concepts that you talk about, most people know, they know it, but the way you articulate it makes it mm -hmm. stick. And that's what I really enjoyed about the book, especially the, the first chapters are really good. 
Cool, uh, cool, awesome. But but going into that as we dive into this podcast, you know, before we get into the nutrition, the strength training, mm-hmm. improving muscle growth, you know, I want to talk about shifting mindsets and yep. self experimentation. So when we talk about health and fitness, you know. I believe that mindset and self-experimentation should be kind of at the forefront of the conversation. So, you know, what are your views on those topics? Yeah, well, it doesn't work without experimentation. Um, even the, the the societal or institutionalized mindset of go to a doctor, they'll tell you what's wrong and give you something to fix it. Even that at its core requires experimentation. How many times have you gone to the doctor? They've said, let's try this. And that didn't work. Then you've got to go back. Let's try this. And like, even that process is experimentation. But because for some reason we feel like because we're doing it with the doctor, it's okay. But we're not willing to experiment by ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, The issue now, as we get more information, nutritionally, scientifically, medic, you know, from the, the, just all of the information we're getting right now about how, um, uninformed most doctors are about what actual nutrition is and what it actually means to be healthy. Uh, I think it is more important than ever that people take it upon themselves to do their own experimentation uh, when it comes to these things, particularly on the nutrition side of things. Um, Relying on and expecting there to be one answer is unrealistic. Now, there's a couple of ways we can look at that nuance, right? There is one answer. And this is where we talk about principles over protocols, right? There is one answer. There is one, one way that the human, that human beings are designed to eat. Okay. That doesn't mean everyone's going to be able to do that consistently, right? There's a lot of factors that go into where a person's coming from, what their preferences are, what they're ready, willing, and able to do. Um, the things that they may have going on in their body that prevent them from doing X, Y, or Z when it comes to eating certain things. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into that, that individual individual perspective. But that doesn't mean there isn't a target. I, I don't remember, I didn't put this in the book, but I like to use the analogy of a bullseye, right? When we talk about trying to eat as healthy as possible, okay? If I were to make a list of the healthiest things that a human being could eat, that would provide the highest levels of nutrient density, bioavailability, and satiety, all of those things would fit in a little circle at the center of the target, right? Everybody, no matter who you are, you're coming from different places on that target. Some of you may be out here. Some of you may be really close to that target. But what I see consistently every single time is that the closer we get to focusing on bioavailability, nutrient density, and satiety, okay, the closer we get to focusing on those three things, everyone starts moving to the same direction. We all start getting closer in on that circle, right? Carnivores in the middle of there. I think we can say carnivores pretty much in the middle of that. That is the bullseye for the most part. Maybe animal-based whole foods keto is, is outside of that. Maybe dirty keto is outside of that, right? Then maybe you have whole 30 or paleo a little bit further out. And then you kind of go out into a whole bunch of different things, right? With the standard American diet being on the outside, right? So Coming into even vegan is closer to the center than standard American diet. I would rather have someone stop eating anything with a label and just eat nothing but asparagus all day long, right? Than than eat standard American diet. I know I'm on a carnivore channel. People are like, oh, my God. right. Mm-hmm. But if if it's if it moves them into the direction of getting closer to the center of that circle, then that's the goal. 
And I think that takes experimentation. Nothing that worked for you today is going to work for you five years from now, maybe not even six months from now. I'm doing things differently. I've been doing this for almost six years. I'm doing things differently now than I did six years ago. So, you know, being willing to change and experiment, I think uh, if you're not willing to make a mistake and if you're looking for the one answer that's going to solve all your problems, you're automatically going to do something that's going to keep you from seeing progress. Yeah, there's we get into these extremes too, right? It's like I got to I got to be on the line diet. I got to eat meat, I got to have salt and water, no coffee. You know, I saw yep. somebody come up to me like, "Hey, are you doing that the line diet?" I'm like, "Well, I do mostly carnivore." They're like, "Can you have coffee on that?" I'm like, I could have whatever I really want, but like, you know, I don't restrict myself. If I love coffee, I'm I'm a coffee fanatic, you know. It's yep. just part of my daily routine, like coffee. Yep. That's not the perfect. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. And that's that's part of your bioindividuality, mm-hmm. right? And I talk about this, right? I, the, the term bioindividuality is used so improperly in the space when it comes to health and nutrition. Bioindividuality isn't everybody's body is different because we tend to think, well, I do better when I eat this. Okay, great. Is that just your thought process and perception about that food and how it affects you, or is it actually you're doing better? Because a lot of times people say, well, I don't do well if I don't have coffee. Okay, that's not your body needing coffee. I'm sorry. That's not how that works. <laughs> okay. Now, that may be a dependence on caffeine. But that's a whole different thing. But that's not bioindividuality, right? Bioindividuality is the idea that um, we that our bodies function differently, which isn't the case. We all have hearts. We all have lungs. We all, all our blood is blue or red based on this oxygenation. Right. We all have muscle contractions. We all have central nervous systems that all these things are the same. None of that stuff is different. And the decisions that you are comfortable making, the things that you like, the background of of your family history is your family history is very different than mine. Right. You grew up with a lot of food options and all sorts of different things. Right. My family grew up. We were we were much more um, basic when it came to the food choices that we had didn't have a lot of different, all sorts of stuff all the time. It was pretty much every holiday. It was the same thing. Most of our meals in the week were the same types of things. It was pretty straightforward. I didn't get exposed to a lot of food options and choices until I grew up and moved out. And then was like, whoa, what is all this stuff? Right? So everyone comes from a different spot so that the ability to switch and be adaptable to things and change is going to be different for everybody too. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening to the Primal Foundations podcast. If you are interested in working one-on-one with me, you can always book a 30-minute free consult on my website, primalfoundations.com. Or if you're interested in online programming or virtual kettlebell programs, you can also find that information at primalfoundations.com. Thank you so much for listening, and let's get back to the show. And this this aspect of the why, right? You know, I, you said this in the book and then I've heard you say this a few times. It's like asking yourself why and then do that seven more times. And mm-hmm. we're going to get to this root, like real cause of why do I want to get healthy, eat right? And what what's the purpose of that? Yeah. yeah. The, the, the emotion behind the desire. Um, I had a call with some of my clients last night and somebody was asking about um, how do I get motivated to do something? 
And she said, yeah, she said, I know you're going to tell me if I'm not motivated, it's because I'm not in touch with my wife. I was like, all right, so I don't even need to answer the question because that's, you already know the answer to the question. You need to revisit why are you doing this? Um, And what we were talking about last night on that call was if you have to make yourself do something, by definition, you don't want to do it. Things that you want to do, you don't have to make yourself do. So if you have to make yourself do it, then you have to, then, and the struggle of being consistent is because you can't willpower yourself to do it, then why are you doing it? Stop. Okay? Because it's not going to be successful. You're adding more stress to that. I would rather have somebody be on, completely 100% honest with me as their coach. If someone came to me and said, look, I know I need to do these things, but I really don't want to do it. I would rather have someone tell me that up front and try to fake it and then be inconsistent time and time and time again, and me have to figure out what is going on with this person. Why can't they keep keep things going? Come to me up front. Come to yourself up front and say, I don't want to do this. And then you at least can, can address why don't you want to do it. If you can start digging into what is the resistance of why you don't want to do something to improve your own quality of life, that's a really great conversation to have and start digging into why is that a problem? And so that's a little bit different, right? In that case, it's not why do you want to do it? It's why you have to dig into the seven levels of why don't you want to do it, right? But it's the same process. Okay, I don't want to do this because X. Well, why is that an issue? Isn't this important to me? Well, yes, it is. Okay, but I don't want to do it because, okay, well, why is this more important than you wanting to not have a heart attack? Well, because of this. Okay, well, if that's the answer, then what about this part? But you have to spend that time and dig and dig and dig. Um, and a lot of people that I work with don't haven't taken that time. They take the surface level. I want to lose weight, so I need to hire a coach. Okay, that's going to last you like two weeks of motivation. And then you're going to wake up one morning and be like, I'm tired. I'm going to go get some, some uh, coffee and donuts and go to work instead of going to the gym. Or you'll be at work and someone's going to bring in donuts and be like, ooh, a donut. And then three of them are gone before you know it because you, you're, because weight loss um, is not the reason that you're doing. Nobody wakes up in the morning and decides, oh, I need to lose. I want to lose. I, there's a difference. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I want to lose 50 pounds out of the blue, right? If, you're, if you really are interested in making a change in your life, it's because there's something in your life that is limiting your ability to enjoy life. What is that thing? And it's not the weight that's on your body. It's not the fact that your pants are, you know, bigger than you want them to be. There is a pain or suffering that's happening in your life that you have to identify what that is. The weight initially for many people is what they think the problem is. If I lose the weight, everything will be better. That's not ever the case, right? There's always something Well, they lose the weight and then they go, okay, great. Now what? Oh, I'm good. I go back to doing whatever I was doing. Oh, wait, the weight came back on again. Oh, maybe the weight wasn't the problem. Maybe there's something else you need to deal with there. And that's where the mindset stuff really helps. Yeah, there's just kind of this circle too of you'll have that. And then you'll also have the other way around of people that go too hard, too fast, too much, all like, um, they're those clients that they're in. They're like, can I, I'm going to do a, a group workout two times today. Yeah. And I'm like, then I say, why? Like, wh- why? 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 Yeah. You know, because I want to get shredded. 
I'm like, oh, why? You know, and they'll just beat themselves to the ground trying yeah. to get this physique and trying to impress people and trying to look the part um, yeah. or whatever that is for them. And it's just like they come back to that a point where it's not sustainable. They can't do it. Um, and it's just this repeating cycle of just yo-yoing back to where you were. And, uh, right. and you've mentioned this too, too, of like take – like let's not add things to your life to make it harder. What can we take away from it to make it better. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it, right. It's, it's very similar. And I haven't, uh, a lot of people don't make that connection that the people that go super hard have the same issue as the people who have a trouble, have trouble getting started. Uh, it's, there's a, a disconnect between the perception of what they think they're trying to get and what they need to do to get there because they're not trying to get the right thing. People that are, that are trying to lose weight, I need to lose all this fat. I just need to lose fat. I just need to lose fat. What can I do to lose fat? I'm going to fast. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Whatever it is. I need cardio 45 minutes a day, every day. Whatever it is, they're doing all these things that aren't sustainable, so it doesn't work. They don't lose the fat, or they do lose the fat, and then it comes back on. Then you have the people who, like you said, I'm going to do two spin classes three times a week every day, You know, two times, two times a day, and I'm going to take a hit class, and I'm going to go do this, and I'm going to do a... a Trying to get, I, I had a client that I worked with several months ago who was trying to get 40,000 steps a day. It's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? That is crazy. 40,000 steps a day? I get five. Let's start with 5,000. If you're, if you're just been sitting around, let's start with 5,000 a day and work our way up. But 40,000, um, it's like, okay, they're going so hard because they're trying to get an artificial goal. And they think that the activity they're taking is going to solve the problem. I'm doing something, so I must be getting better. And that is a disconnect with reality. It's not the doing, it's the what you're doing that matters. And you don't know if you're doing the right thing if you don't know why you're doing it. So it always comes back to the why. Mm -hmm. And... You said this a few times, and I, I like this quote that you have over here. It says, live life to the fullest and die quickly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and when people read that or hear, they're like, what are you, what are you, what is he talking about? What, yeah, what, so yeah. when you say that, what, what do you mean when you tell people, you know, live your life to the fullest and die quickly? Yeah, um, that is not mine. I don't know where I heard that, but I heard that years ago, and I've been using it uh, forever because it's, it's, it's a perfect representation of what I think life should be. You should be able to do anything that you want to do, have no physical limitations on your body and what you're capable of until the day you go to sleep and then don't wake up again. That's what it should be. You know, and, and I, I really feel that from a personal perspective because I've watched both of my grandparents pass and that it was not their pet there. They, you know, they started dying in their 40s and 50s. And it just got worse and worse and worse from there, right? Um, my grandmother, when she passed, the last day I saw her, uh, she was lying face down in the bed, unable to get up and move. I had to try to hold her hand and hug her while she's under this bed and under all these wires and tubes and all these different things um, and say goodbye to her, knowing I'd never, I was never going to see her again. But she couldn't even get up to give me a proper hug. Like, I, no one should have to do that. Right. And that was the, the last that was the last day of her life. The, the years before that, it was um, she has to eat only certain foods because she can't swallow properly. She can't move around her room without assistance. You know, 
just this one thing after another just kept getting taken from her and her freedom and independence and her her autonomy as a human being. She was 100% reliable on other people to live and nobody should have to go through that. And that's, that's what that phrase is all about. That's what that quote's all about. Yeah. The, you know, we get in, in modern, you know, the uh, healthcare and all these things. It's, do you really want to live to be 125? I, if you're, don't, uh, I don't, <laughs> don't even get me on this whole longevity kick. I'm so done with it, dude. I am so done with it. You know, it is a it is a scam. It is a money grab. The best thing you can do, and I'm just being totally honest. The best thing anybody wants to live long, build muscle, stop eating crap. That that is the only thing we have scientifically proven to show that you're going to live longer than anything else, right? Because we don't. There is no scientific study that beyond theoretical. That can say this protocol is going to make you live longer because guess what? Everybody's still dying before 100. So some billionaire can go out there and spend millions of dollars a year on longevity stuff. I guarantee you he's still going to be dead at 100. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. Let's, 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 come on. It's about the quality of life that you have far, far, far more than how long you live. I would rather live 100 years in 80, right, than mm-hmm. 80 in 100. It, I have family members. Like, that's the thing, and it's not a knock on them, and I've mentioned them in my podcast. You know, we've gone to a family trip. You know, yeah. they're my you know, my father's in his late 70s now, and, you know, my, my aunts and my uncles, they're not in the best shape, and it's not a knock on them. You know, that's just where they're at right now. They can't. We can't go for hikes. We can't right. do a lot of different things because yeah. of that. And to live to 120, but to not be able to really get off the couch a bunch or not be able to experience life anymore, you know, and when you're putting on medication or put on medication in your, you know, 50s and 60s, like that's 40 years of just nothingness, you know? So I, when I, when I heard that, I was like, yeah, I, I, it just resonates with me. Like I would rather die at 80. And just have an awesome time in life and live it all the way up to that. But yeah, the impact that you can have, the impact that you can have on your, on your life, the people around you, your family, your loved ones, and then the world in general, the more you can do physically, the more ripples you cause in the world. I mean, that's how it works. Yeah. And, and getting into the piece, cause we were talking about, you know, the mindset, the why, and all these things, you know, you talked about, you said these three things for about nutrition. So, uh, nutrient density, bioavailability yep. and satiety. Yep. Yeah. Those are the, those are the three, um, pillars or tenets of nutrition. If you can, if any choice that you make about your nutrition routine or lifestyle considers all three of those things, you will almost never make the wrong decision decision. Okay. If you are focusing on, am I getting as much nutrition as possible out of this choice? Yes or no. Am I getting as much bioavailability? So can my body actually utilize the nutrition that I'm choosing? Yes or no. And is this going to help me stay full so that I don't overconsume food? Yes or no. If you can run that through your head and get into a habit of looking at food from those, from those lenses, 
um, just by default, the choices you make are going to be better choices for your health. There's, and there's a lot of, it's just people in general, right? It's this narrative that has been pitched to us for forever, you know, my whole lifetime, you know, of eating a certain way, like limiting red meats, you know, limiting the fat and, I you know things that you're doing and other people in the space. There, there. I would say more people than ever have asked me about carnivore. More sure. people talk it's, to me it's about changing. It. Yeah, yeah. And we're in that direction. But when you know, let's say we're talking about you know a client, and they're, we're we're talking about okay, well, we're looking at food as fuel, right? In that aspect, you know, Ooh, you, pro- you got me. You got me on that one. We're going to talk about that. Oh yeah, uh, you know, proteins, fats, right? And, and we mm-hmm. have the carbohydrates and. And specifically, I, I've done endurance races. I've done Ironman, and I did yeah. that carnivore. Our, our boy Casey Ruff was one of my carnivore coaches at the time. He's, he's awesome. Nice. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And you know, I've that was one of the turning points for me. Like yep. I didn't. I just didn't want to do the whole fuel with the carbs and all those things. And, and I'm like, yep. you know what? I'm gonna do this fat adapted. I'm, I'm gonna do the carnivore diet. People, I've said it a ton of times on this podcast. People are probably sick of it, but I was like, people were telling me I was gonna die. Like coaches wouldn't work with me, anything like that. But yep. can you kind of dive in? You know, of just about fueling the body and the way we're looking at food and like what really kind of fuels the body versus what we think does. So. The first thing that we'll talk about is the fact that if I could wave a wand in the nutrition space, one of the first things that I would do, if I had three wishes, I don't know what the other two would be right now, but I think the first one would be uh, that we stop talking about food as fuel because it's only partially fuel. And fuel is a minor function of what fuel of food actually provides. So when we talk about food, we're talking about nutrition, not energy. And the fact that that even people that I talk to, that I work with on a regular basis, who understand the concepts that calories in, calories out don't matter, still use calories as a basis for all their stuff. It's like, okay, if if you understand that and you don't think that that's applicable, why are we still using it? Why are we doing ratios of calories? People, I need to be 70, 30 or 60, 40 or whatever else. Well, you realize that's all about calories. And if calories are only a portion of what food is providing to our body, but we're basing our entire nutrition protocol off of a portion, that doesn't make any sense. That's using calories and thinking about food as fuel is the same thing as looking at your car and saying, I'm going to diagnose how my car is performing only based on my miles per gallon. That's it. I'm going to put gas in. If I get this much miles per per gallon of gas, then I'm then that means everything's fine. If I'm getting this much, then something's wrong, and I need to have more gas as the solution. That doesn't make sense, right? Food and the nutrition that we get, because a lot of people also forget that fat, protein, and carbs are nutrients. They do more than than fuel. They're not just fuel, right? Fat. And protein provide substance for our body to utilize in metabolic function. Okay. And understanding that metabolic function is not how our body burns fuel. Metabolic function is how our body actually does the things that it needs to do to keep us alive. Okay. Digestion, immune function, 
neural system, your, your neural synapses. Okay. Um, enzyme production, hormone production, which are both fat and protein required. A lot of people don't know that protein is a precursor for half of the, half of the hormones that we have. Everyone's like eat fat all the time for each fictional hormones. You got to eat protein to fix your hormones too, especially thyroid. If you're having thyroid problems, you need to eat more protein. Wink, wink. Um, so there, the functions of our body are akin. And if we look at the car, are like the brake system, the transmission system, oil, brake, brake fluid, right? Pull, um, windshield wipers. You could even say that, right? Every other thing that functions in our vehicle is the same to what our metabolic function is in our human body. None of that stuff has anything to do with fueling. So it doesn't matter how much fuel I have. I can be severely obese and have thousands of calories worth of fuel on my body. But if the function of my hormone production is not working properly because I'm not providing myself with the right nutrition, the amount of fuel I have doesn't matter. I've got too much. And the reason, part of the reason I have too much is because my function isn't working. So that's one of the biggest things I think people need to understand is nutrition isn't fuel. And if you're thinking about your nutrition as fuel, that's possibly part of the reason why you're struggling. Again, it's not just, just like uh, I said before, it's not what you, it's not, it's not how much you're doing, but it's what you're doing. Just like exercise, right? You can exercise all day long. And if you're not doing the right thing, and if you're not resting appropriately, it's not going to be doing do any good for you. You can eat or not eat all day long, but if you're eating or not eating the right thing, the wrong things, then it's not going to do anything for you either because you're not getting the actual nutrition that your body needs. For somebody who's, let's just say, middle age, right? Somebody who's middle age, somewhat athletic, has ex- excess body fat, you know, mm-hmm. you know, say 20 pounds overweight, kind of wants to lose that. You know, getting them on, we'll get, we'll get into some exercise stuff in a moment, yeah. but, um, you know, what is the ratios that, you know, cause I get it all the time. It's like, how, oh, how much protein should I have? How much of this yeah. should I have? Yeah. So what are some of the kind of benchmarks or guidelines for people to like start I- eating more animal protein, but just to give them an idea of like, oh, this is kind of how much. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where we bring in what we talked about at the beginning, right? The experimentation, everything I'm about to say is not a rule. Everything I'm about to say is a starting point for someone to take, put their stuff in, see how it works for them. And then if they need to adjust, they adjust up and down based on how they're how it's working for them. Okay. So whoever, you know, anybody listening, understand this is a starting point. And anybody that tells you this is what you need, walk away. Okay. This is a starting point, is the is the more realistic um ex- explanation of how this works. Okay. I like to start people at one gram of protein and one gram of fat per pound of lean mass. So it's one to one to one is my base baseline for where I start everybody they work with. And I don't care what you've been doing before. We're going to, we're going to start you there. We're going to see how your body responds. It's going to take three to six weeks. Everybody's a little different, but three to six weeks to start seeing what your body does with that. So many, many people who try to do one gram of protein and one gram of fat to their to their to one pound of lean mass to that that gets them to a point where they are getting more protein than they're used to getting and they're getting less fat than they've been getting especially people from keto carnivore because a lot of people are used to throwing in a ton of fat into their stuff so a lot of a lot of people I deal with have been keto forever 
haven't seen any progress, they immediately jump into one-to-one-to-one. And then all of a sudden, all this stuff starts happening. Like, what is going on? It's, well, you're getting more protein and you're getting less fat. You're providing your body with the difference of, of, of functional versus fuel nutrition. Okay. In my book, I still call it calories. In my next book, I'm, I'm taking calories out of that. So in the book you listen to, I call it functional calories and fuel calories. The next book that I'm working on, we're going to call it functional uh, nutrition and fuel fuel nutrition, right? Because I want to get away from that whole calorie discussion because it's not calorie. Your body can't use calories. It's nutrition. So what you eat is either used as to provide functional support or fuel support. And the fuel support is much, much smaller requirement than the functional support. So you can turn the macronutrients that you're eating on and off or up and down based on what your goals are. I need more function. I need more muscle. And by, by function, the easiest way to think about function is muscle. I want more muscle. The more muscle you have, the more metabolic function you're going you're to have. The more movement function you're going to have, the more strength you're going to have. Everything about your metabolism runs off your muscle. Okay. The more muscle you have, the better everything is. Muscle fixes all sorts of problems. Okay. So that's number one goal. Number two, if I want to manage fuel, I have body fat on my body. Why am I eating so much fat? Okay. Uh, you don't need to, to shove fat down your throat in order to be in keep to be ketogenic. Okay. That's a whole nother discussion. I don't know if you want to get into the whole, what is ketogenic and, and all that kind you, of stuff. You're right? talking, I shouldn't be just downing heavy cream and olive oh oil gosh. and avocado oil all the time. Because right. It's no, fat. no. <laughs> so, so the idea is, uh, like I said, one to one to one is a starting point. If you find that one gram of protein to one uh, pound of lean mass is a good point for you. Maybe that's something it's more than you've ever eaten of protein in your life. Maybe you're eating, maybe for you, that's 120 grams. Maybe your lean mass is 120 pounds. So I need 120 grams of protein. Okay. I'm used to eating 80. How am I going to eat 40 grams of protein a day when I'm used to eating 80? Try to eat 85 for a couple of weeks, then try to eat 90, then try to eat 95, right? That's where you talked about before extremes. You don't have to go to that big number right off the bat. Just try eating more. Just by going, if you're used to eating 80 grams, if you can get 85 grams, you're going to notice a difference. Your body's going to love you for it, right? And then before you know it, 85 grams isn't going to be enough. You're going to be like, I'm still hungry at eight. Why am I hungrier than I was before? I'm eating more, but now I'm more hungry. My clients, I love when that happens to my clients. I'll be working with a client for like a month and they'll be like, I'm eating more food than I've ever eaten before. And I'm still hungry all the time. I'm like, yeah, it's because your body's responding and asking you, hey, I like this. Can I get more? Right? That's what's happening. And you know, you can give it more. It's okay. Right. You can you can give it more. I don't know if you have, if you've talked to anybody about the study that came out a couple of weeks ago about the protein consumption, no. post-exercise protein consumption. So they did a study that basically verified that it's I'm I'm gonna use the term virtually impossible to overeat protein in a sitting. Right. They showed that uh, up to 100 grams per meal of protein is maintained and not oxidized for energy up to 12 hours post meal. Mm. Right. So, this whole you can only metabolize 30 grams per meal, bull crap. Right. Eat don't, the protein, guys. Go get it. Don't it's not going to turn to sugar. Yeah. Don't tell the supplement companies this, you know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They're just going to have steak and then we're going to be out of business. That's all it is, right? <laughs> so 
And, and so one to one to one is where I start people experiment with it. If you, some people may already be low. I have people that are athlete that are athletes or maybe competitors who are traditionally lower on their fat and one to one to one for them is more fat than they're used to, right? They may put on fat. Um, and that's not always a bad thing, particularly for women. If you're over lean as a woman, you might have, you probably have a bunch of issues going on. High cortisol, hormones, thyroids, all sorts of different things that are messed up. Um, so getting more fat for you might be a good idea. So it all depends on what your goals are, where you're at. But um, I think that's a good starting point. One gram of fat, one gram of fat, one gram of protein per pound of lean mass. And again, like you mentioned, like people will fluctuate, like you're going to yep. fluctuate, you're going to find out, you know, this is too much or this is not enough. And, and it's a part of that process. And this, this day and age of instant gratification, like it, you're not going to, you won't figure this out in a week. You're not yeah. going to figure this out in three months. Yeah. Like it's, it's just going to ongoing. And you've mentioned it before. It's like, you don't do the same things you did three years ago. Right. You know, I don't eat the same way. I, 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 I've added a few things in, allow myself a few other things like, you know, um, and I want to get into the next piece too. uh, you know, like an alcoholic drink, right. I've noticed like I would, you can put cake in front of me. Not a big, not a big deal. I'm, I'm past that point. I have a good relationship with food. Like I'm past that point. Um, you know, pizza, all this stuff. I'm good. And like going to, for me. Yeah. Is that ice cream? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like I allow, like sometimes if I'm out and, and they're going, like we're going to an ice cream shop and it's a group thing. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna have some ice cream, yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's very yeah. few and far between. I, and I know exactly what I'm doing. I don't need it. Uh, but the hard thing I would say for me, and I, and I've cut back a lot is just having alcoholic drinks, like socializing, because sure. I, I can go out to a, uh, an event that has food and I can, if I don't really like the options, I really don't want to feel like crap later. I could just say, you know, oh, you know what? I ate before this. I'm super stuffed. Like that's an yeah, easy yeah. way to just say. And typically I do do that. I'll eat before I go to different events. Yeah. Um, but you, what are you going to tell people when they're, hey, you want a beer? Uh, yeah, I'm not thirsty right now. You know, they'd be like, what? What are you talking about? Like, you don't have to be thirsty to have a beer. And I know you've had some experience with alcohol too of kind of you know, gauging that even in like having small moderations is, is a big effect. Yeah. It's a huge effect. Alcohol. There is no net positive alcohol. Um, and everyone, obviously it's a, it's a journey everyone has to take. I would say I've had customers or clients who are like you where, you know, there's, they're good with everything else. But when it comes to alcohol, they just can't seem to wrap their head around. How do I not do this? Um, and my recommendation is make it a goal to go 90 days without drinking in under any circumstance and do that same internal work that we talked about before. For this, why can't I let this go? Why am I stuck? Why do I have this belief that I have to be able to drink in social instances? What is it about the situation that is controlling my decision instead of me controlling the situation, right? Now that doesn't mean you have to forever never drink alcohol again. But I recommend anytime you run into a limiting belief or a perception wall, you do whatever you can to get across that wall. So now you are in control of the situation instead of the situation controlling you. So right now you're in a situation where you don't know how to get around wanting this and feeling drawn to having alcohol in a social situation. Okay, that's great. That's fantastic. Why? What is that? Right. For me, 
two main reasons why I gave up alcohol. One, I realized how much control I was giving up in my own life. Um, I realized that alcohol for me, I went through a very bad alcohol phase. I don't talk about it a lot, but um, I went through about two years of just not good things happening with alcohol, right? Nothing nothing good happens after one o'clock, right? Um, not only was I imbibing and indulging in alcohol a lot, but I also decided, because I was really smart at the time, I decided to bounce at a local bar. So I was working a full-time job. I'd leave that job, go to the gym or do something, which was more of a social event at the time, not an actual thing. Um, and then go home, change, and then go to the bar, work from 10 to two o'clock, and then stay out drinking with everybody to get home and then go back to work again the next day, right? I was doing that four or five days a week. Um, it was not good. Uh, at some point in time, I it was one of those things I kind of woke up in the morning and was like, what am I doing? I don't understand this. I did not like the law, the lack of control. I had one really bad night out where uh, without getting without getting into details, it was not a good night, and I lost like two days. I don't remember two days, and having to to be like, okay, I I can't get, I can't can't do that. And that happened multiple times. I went when I was in when I was in the army um, before I was even legal age to drink. Don't tell anybody. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had I had a similar instance. There was a party. One of the guys I was in my unit was getting out of the army. We had a party to celebrate. Um, I. It was a Friday night. The next thing I remember was waking up to go to work on Monday morning. Like, I don't remember Saturday. I don't remember most of Sunday. That was it. That was when I was 19 years old. I didn't, that that incident, I didn't touch alcohol until I was 26. Uh, After that, it's like, I can't, I, I obviously have no idea what I'm doing with this. I cannot afford to miss two days. I can't, I cannot touch this. Um, and then I slowly started introducing it again, just went right back down the hill again after several years. Right. Um, it's like, okay, this, I, I can't, I, I cannot give this control of, of my life to this thing. So decided that was one thing. Then second thing, um, and this is part of my journey on the health and fitness side. I, before I went carnivore, this is one of the things that kind of made me really open and being receptive to the carnivore idea is I did a 21-day sugar detox, but I was already pretty much sugar detox, right? I was eating a paleo, whole 30 kind of lifestyle. I didn't eat any bread. I didn't eat processed food. I was eating meat, but mostly veggies, right? It was probably some meat on my plate, but a lot of veggies, rice, stuff like that. Um, but I wasn't doing sugar. I wasn't doing processed carbs. The only thing I was doing at that time was I had gained control again because I went from the the alcoholic guy at the bar doing all the stuff to not doing anything for a couple of years. And then I got introduced to scotch, which turned into bourbon. And then I became a bourbon guy. So I became more of a bourbon connoisseur. And I was like, hey, I'll go bourbon tasting. That was the, the extent of my drinking. I would try new bourbons, go to the shop, order something special, try this. And I really, I became, I love bourbon. I used to have, I recently... I, even until recently, we just moved and I haven't had a drink of alcohol in almost five years, but I still had 13 bottles of bourbon that I've been holding on to because it's been so hard to let go of. Like, like oh. So we moved this time and basically told the movers, hey, see all that? Take it. 
Oh wow! I just gave I just gave it to the movers. Like take it. I don't I don't need it. It's been sitting in the cabinet for years. Just take it. Um, that was hard to do, even though I haven't touched it in years. It was still hard to let go of that part of my identity. Right? That's how strong identity can be. But I did a twenty one day sugar detox. I was doing three to four glasses a week. I'd come home from work, have dinner, chill out, sit down, watch TV, pour a two finger glass of bourbon, sip on that bourbon, get ready for bed, go to bed. That was my afternoon. That was my evening ritual, right? Um, it wasn't binging on the weekend. It wasn't two glasses. It was one glass three to four times a week. I stopped doing that for thirty for three days, 21 days, three weeks, okay? At the time, I owned my gym. I had a commercial grade in-body body composition scanner at my gym. I, I got on that scanner before. I got on that scanner after the three weeks. I lost 10 pounds of body fat in three weeks. The only change I made was no more alcohol. That was it. That blew my mind. And then I dug into why did that make such a change? What is it about the alcohol that made these things happen? And then that's when I learned about acetylaldehyde and how it affects the metabolism and how it decreases testosterone and IGF-1 and how it screws up the, the brain and it's toxic to the brain and all these things. I'm like, there is no nothing good biologically, physically, or neurologically to, to the, it's all, there's mentally a perception that I'm the cool guy when I'm drunk, right? It's a social, social benefit in the short term, but it's a complete 100% net negative, not even a net zero. It's a net negative from a total health and quality of life perspective. And from that point on, I was like, yep, I just can't justify, I can't justify this anymore. And that, that once I realized that and educated myself more what it was doing, it, the decision for me was super easy. And people would be, if you're telling people, I'm only going to have two drinks a week, you know, and it's going to be like a whiskey or a bourbon, it's going to be a small yep. pour. They're like, oh, it's being healthy. You know, he's yeah. taking yeah. that route. It's better than five. It's better than five or, you know, there's people at the bar that's like, I want to get, you know, I'm going to have a, a whiskey neat because I'm on keto or whatever it may be. Uh, and and yeah. to be honest, when I heard you talk about that bourbon story, yeah. and again, I don't go out drinking a lot, you know, I, I past, yeah, like I was that social butterfly having drinks. Come on, come to the bar with me. Let's have some shots, you know, that stuff. I really toned it down a ton and. Yeah. My only kind of hiccup is, um, I would say, like, in, like going to a bar with friends. Like, I just want to have a beer with my buddies and, and sure. that that thing. Uh, but when I read or listened, I didn't read. I listened to yeah. that part of yeah. your book. I'm like, you know what? And, I, you know, World Carnivore Month is this month, too. I said, you know what? I'm not going to have a drink all the entire, like, January. We'll see how it awesome. goes, whatever. Yeah. Um, last night, I met up with my two coworkers. This is, we're kind of celebrating his birthday. And it was like a trivia night. And yeah. kind of, and they're like, you're going to come out and not drink. I'm like, I'm going to come to hang out with you guys. They're like whether I drink or not, we're going to have fun. And it was a trivia night. We were terrible. Uh, but I got, uh, they had those liquid death things, those water things. Okay. You seen those? Yeah. They look like yeah. beer cans. Uh, oh yeah. And okay. I, and, I, and I sat there and I had my sparkling water, you know, in the little beer can thing. And I yep. just had, it. I was like. I can do this. I can, I can totally do this 30 days. I feel better. Yeah. I'm having this like a little pseudo seltzer thing that yeah. has no alcohol, but and I'm still a, having fun. There's a whole nother aspect that the more you do that, um, the more you start 
seeing people with different eyes who, as they become more inebriated, you start becoming thankful that that's not you anymore. Mm -hmm. when, when you start, if you, if you, if, if you maintain that, I'd be interested to see if you maintain, because I know for me, not drinking changed my social life. I just decided to not even be around and do that kind of thing anymore. Like I don't, I haven't been to a bar just to hang out in a bar in five years. I just don't see the point at this, you know, anymore. Um, and most of many of the people, and this is another thing we can talk about mindset wise is letting go. You have friends that won't mind and they don't, they may not pressure you and whatever else. A lot of people don't have true relationships and true friendships. The people they hang out with are social acquaintances who are only connected by the actions that they're doing at the time. So if you are hanging around people and your only common theme is alcohol and you're trying to stop alcohol, you probably shouldn't be hanging with those people anymore. They're not going to understand when you say, no, I don't want to drink. And it's just not going to work. So yeah. find yourself some friends who don't drink, find yourself some friends who even if they do, they're not going to pressure you and they're going to understand what you're trying to do, whose priorities aren't we aren't centered on the alcohol that happens at an event. Yeah. You, you, mentioned, well. you mentioned it's just like that's your if you've been doing that, that's your thing. That's your identity you had with that group. Right. Now it's now you don't have that. And like you said, it's you're gonna find your real friends for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it up. I'm gonna keep it up. Yeah. You know, yeah. we'll see how it goes. Uh but we kind of talked about the nutrition piece, uh, you know, just hitting those three points, you know, nutrient density, bioavailability, satiety, and you know, kind of experimenting, you know, you yep. know, whether you wave the car carnivore flag or you're, you know, you do ketogenic or whatever it may be, but really experiment in, in finding that why the, the muscle growth, like, and we you kind of mentioned it too, of like, it's mm -hmm. so, so important, you know, not just for your health, but life, like long-term, you know, yeah. what, what, what's the, you know, the, what is the importance of putting on muscle and the effects like of, of metabolic health. Oh my gosh. Um, they're almost limitless. Anything you can think of that you want to get better in your life, put on more muscle and it'll probably get better. How's that? How's that for an answer? There you go. <laughs> uh, mic drop. Boom. Yeah. Right. Um, it has an impact on so many different areas. Our endocrine system, our hormones, they activate hormones that help with immune system. They activate hormones that help with brain health and depression and mood regulation um, they muscles from a, just the physical perspective, having more muscle helps you earn more energy. You have a higher energy requirement. You have a higher capacity to move and be ambulatory, which is the keyword, right? We talk about strength, but being ambulatory, being able to move yourself under your own volition is what physical freedom and independence is all about. So if you don't have muscle that you to move yourself, then you can't be physically independent. So that is, I mean, that's what this is all about. So if if that's if there's any one thing you take away, oh, I need to be strong enough to move myself around so I don't have to have someone help me go take a crap when I'm 80 years old, then that should be enough reason to go build muscle. I would hope for most people. Um, you know, particularly when we know that you know, over 50 
if you're not doing something actively to prevent sarcopenia and bone density loss and all the different things that come with aging without action, because it's not aging, that's the problem. It's aging without action. If you're not fighting it, then it's it's going to happen. So if you don't want to deteriorate, you have to do something to keep that from that deterioration from happening. Um, and anybody that's in that 30, 40 range or anybody who's over 50, who's like, well, it's so hard to build muscle over 50. It's not, especially if you're a beginner. Let me tell you right now, if you are at a point and you're over 50 and you haven't been doing something to improve your strength and improve your, the muscle that you have, you are in a better position to get started now than ever. Because there's this thing, wonderful thing, I'm sure you've seen it, Tony, is beginner gains, right? The things that your body can do once you start doing something, there's a very large portion of the time in someone's initial fitness journey where they can't go a day without seeing progress somewhere, right? If you show up consistently, every day you're going to learn that you can do something new that you didn't think you could do before. And that's going to last for a good long time. And you can use that to your advantage if you take the opportunity, build some consistency into doing something and take advantage of making those progress, making that progress super fast right up front. You don't have to be 20, 20 year old, 20 years old for that to happen. You can do it today. With to be gaining muscle. And like you said, people are like, I don't, well, there's, there's two versions of this too. That's like, I don't know how to gain muscle. I try, I'm stuck. I try. And mm -hmm. then you have the other, I don't want to get, I want to gain muscle, but I don't want to get too bulky. I don't want to do, I don't want to yeah. look, look too yeah. bulky. Um, yeah. You know, I, I have trouble trying to get shift this again, mindset piece of, you know, we, you have to do strength training, these, these hit classes, like exercising is like good, right? These hit classes where I'm doing high intensity interval training and I'm going again and again and again for rounds. And I, I walked out sweaty. Therefore, I had a good workout, quote unquote, a workout. Do you get yeah. that a lot too of trying to get oh, all the time, all the time. people away from and that? That's, that's the social conditioning. You have to work hard to burn fat because everybody thinks it's about fat loss. Um, if your goal, and this goes back to your why. So now we're talking about your why for exercise. Okay, if you're working out, when you walk into or when you're looking at all the different options for what you can do for your fitness, if your primary evaluation criteria is I want to burn fat, then the only thing you're going to do is burn fat. Here's the thing. It's only going to happen while you're doing it. And in order to maintain the same level of fat loss, you're going to have to increase the amount you work over time. So if you are currently doing a 20-minute HIIT class and that's starting to work great for you and you're doing that twice a week, in order to maintain that rate of fat loss, you're going to have to because your body will adapt and it will become more efficient at burning energy, which means it will burn less as you go. You're going to have to go to three classes a week, then four classes a week, then five classes a week. Then you're going to have to go to 30-minute classes, then 40-minute classes, then two 20-minute classes a week or a day. A couple of days a week, right? You have to high intensity interval classes, um, cardio, that type of work, where the idea is it's all about how much energy you put out to burn, okay, is a simulation of what you would do if you had a good metabolism. 
right? The reason you have to do that is because your metabolism sucks. It's not efficient. And you have to make it work harder to get it to do the things it would normally be doing if you were healthy, just living your day, right? Now, that may not make sense to people. Let me explain it another way. Muscle, like I said before, is the basis, the basis and the foundation for your metabolic function. Your metabolic function is all of the processes of your body. It's not how we burn fuel. So if I want my metabolism to be efficient, I want my metabolism to work well, and I want my body to have a high energy demand, even when I'm not working out, what do I need to do? I need to increase my muscle mass. If I increase my muscle mass, my med- metabolism will function better. I'll be able to move through life easier because I'll be stronger. Everything is easier when you're stronger. And because I have more muscle mass, my energy demand is higher. I can burn fat even when I'm not working out. So I don't have to do more work to see more gains of what I'm looking for in my body. So building muscle will always be more effective in quality of life, physical freedom, metabolic function, and long-term fat loss than any kind of high-intensity exercise. It's just like a laundry list of, you know, this is like, and I, and I love this. I love this point of also, you know, the independence piece, right? The independence, uh, uh, the confidence too. Like I'm, yeah, I'm able sure. to do things. I'm able to do hard things, you know, throughout life and, and live a great life by putting on muscle mass and, yeah. um, and that this chronic exercise of chronic cardio boot camps and, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Vinny to torch. Mm-hmm. He did the fat. Yeah. I, I had the privilege of having him on and he's kind of talks about this and he's just like, when I go to speak at conferences or I go to speak in front of people, he's like, the first thing I say is exercise is a terrible way to lose weight. 100%. Yeah. He's like, and they're like, what, aren't you like a trainer? He's like, yeah. exercise <laughs> is a very poor way to lose weight. Like yeah. your habits and lifestyle and what you eat are a big part of that. He's like, yeah, yes, exercise is good. Strength training, great. But just to exercise all the time and then we see it, you know, because yeah. there's that, also that that tribe, you want to find a tribe. And yeah. if you go to this uh, hit class and we're all going to feel the suck together. Yes. You know, now yes. we have this bond and we're, this is my yeah. 4 p.m. class. This is my 6 p.m. class. And we're going to just crush ourselves and then we're going to go out to drink Ooh. afterwards. And then yeah. after that, we're just going to bitch about the workout. Like that is the circle. That is the circle. And that's a mindset, right? Because if you're doing this right, it shouldn't suck. I don't even know how you just said something. I was like, wait a second. What? None of this sucks for me. I love going to the gym. I love the food that I eat. There is nothing about the decisions that I've made to improve my quality of life that sucks. I love my life. I love the freedom that I have. I love the choices that I've made to get here. And I love the, the food that I eat and I love working out. Like if you if if it sucks for you, then I'm sorry, but why are you doing it? Maybe you're not doing it for the right reasons. And this goes back to the why. Like we don't, gosh, man, a lot of people have jobs they hate right? I'm only doing this because I need the money, right? And you hear people all the time talk about, well, you do what you love and all those different things, right? Um, 
your life and what you're doing for your health shouldn't be like your job. It should be a hobby. It should be something that you look forward to do, that you look forward to doing. Um, if we can think about these are things that I get to do. These are things that I'm building so that I can. There's so many benefits to the lifestyle of being healthy. You know, we talked, you and I were just talking, right? We were talking about Ben and Jerry's is my thing. Alcohol is your thing, right? Um, I'm at a point where I've been metabolically healthy for six years. I'm fit. I have zero physical limitations. All the injuries and issues that I was dealing with that were chronic issues, but in the past are gone. I can do anything. We went on the low-carb cruise last year, right? Um, I was just turned 51 or was turning 51 in the next week, something like that. I'm 51 years old. We join the, we, we get off the boat at the end of the cruise, and everybody's gathering up the buses and trying to figure out where bus we're on and all these different things. And come to, you know, come to find out some of the buses didn't have porters available. So the bus driver's sitting there, all these people with bags. Who's putting the bags in the bus? Guess who started putting bags in the bus? I'm in there 51 years old, crawled up inside of the bottom of a bus, pulling people's bags in, getting all sweaty, doing this kind of stuff. I didn't even think about if I could do it. This needs to get done. There's no one else here to do it. I'll do it, right? The, 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 the fact of, me thinking, well, I'm 51. I don't know if I can do that. Will I be able to get out again? Am I going to be sore tomorrow? I don't know if my knees can take it. No. And to be able to do the choices that I've taken is what got me to that point where I'm 51 years old. I can do whatever the hell I want to do. And everyone can do that. Yeah, it just, we we have to be intentional, right? And I always say, just, you have to be very intentional. Like what, what do you want out of life? Yep. What do you, what do you want? What do you want? Yeah. Quality of life is what this is all about. And defining what that looks like for you is I think the key um, to di help dig a little bit beyond just trying to lose fat. I, that would be I, the second, that would be the second one. The second, the second wish, one, right. If we could get people to stop worrying about losing fat and start equating their journey to their quality of life and what that actually means. I work, uh, I work at a school and after school we do like, I, I run the the fitness center and yeah, I, okay. I literally just had this conversation today and this kid's like, you know, I gained like X amount of weight. I'm doing a bulk right now. And I'm like, why are you doing a bulk? Like, what's up? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. you know, I'm going to do a bulk and then I'm going to cut. I was like, okay. So when you cut, like, what are you going to do? And he's like, well, I'm just going to like, I have to go into a deficit. I was like, how long are you going to do that for? He's like, until I'm shredded. I was like, okay, what happens when you get shredded? I'm going to go to my bulk again. <laughs> I, was like, I go, that is a very yo-yo way out of the lookout fitness. And like literally sat It's not there disordered with, eating at all. Yeah, exactly. And this is coming yeah. from, I, I wrestled, I coached wrestling and I'm like, yeah. I'm sitting there listening to this. And I was just like, I was like, ah, and there's like literally four or five kids around me. And I like just listening to this conversation and they all just started kind of coming in. I'm like, this is why I sometimes hate Instagram. You know, like this is why I hate Instagram and social All media the time. For, for this thing. They see the, you yeah. know, whatever. And so kids ask me like, do you know about trend? And I'm like, okay, what are we talking about here? And it's just like, why are we doing this? But his, he's just like, have seen like uh, these, these Instagrams of like people, I'm in yeah. the bulk right now. And he sees how fat they get and heavy they get. Yeah. And then. 
they think they have to go through that to be shredded. And then, then they want to yeah. be shredded for the picture. Cause they look, that's a before and after like, wow, you bulk to shred. I get that now. I'm going to do that. Yeah. And it's just like, and I, we just literally sat there for like five, 10 minutes and we we're just talking back and forth. And I was like, what is your why? Why do you want yep. to do that? And it got down to like, cause I want to look good so people can see me looking good. I was like, okay, yeah. so that that's a problem. Like that's the, you just care yeah. about other people's opinions. He goes, uh, yeah, I guess I do. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, see, exactly. I'm like, right. let's focus on being healthy. Like, and like, I'm sure you can, you know, look really good and put on muscle mass and you don't have yeah. to go through this you know, surplus deficit, surplus deficit. But yep. Um, yep. I don't know how we got to that point. But anyways. <laughs> no, no. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Talk to him about lean gains. See what he says. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, and the one more thing before I want to get into another topic is with, sure. with muscle growth, you know, muscle recovery, muscle growth, you're, you're you know, either coaching or your experience with sleep. I know that me, I am, it is, this is a, this is a struggle for me. I, I, I try and I do all the things, you know, I make the room cold and, and I take a hot shower before. So my body wants to cool itself, all these things. And I just have trouble, but you know, I know it's so important for the, for the recovery yeah. and the muscle growth. Yeah. What, what are the things are you doing? So I've done, so this is the things I've, I've blacked out everything. That's okay. one. I've have my phone on, uh, it's my alarm, but I have it on do not disturb. And as soon as I get into my room to get ready for the bed or even before it goes face down on the, and I don't touch it until the alarm goes off. So I don't have any of the electronic light up. Um, but I've done, I've tried cold showers and then now Mm -hmm. I've tried hot showers and I think the hot showers work a little bit better, but really just those things and not having any screens. I used to love watching TV and falling asleep. Okay. So you got the black and you're dropping the temperature in the room. Yeah. I've made it cold. Okay. Um, do you have a weighted blanket? I've had them. I have a little bit, <laughs> this is a problem. I have a little bit of, uh, as and it's weird as I get older, a little bit of, um, uh, what do you call that? Uh, I can't even think of the word now. Claustrophobia. I, oh really? Okay. Yeah. So uh, my mom bought it for me. She got me a weighted blanket just randomly. Like, oh, I heard of these are really great, whatever. And I literally put it on. I'm like, get this off of me. I can't move, dude. You I'm, put it like all the way up to your to I, your neck. I've tried everything, and I'm like, I gotta get this thing off of me. I'm gonna tell you how claustrophobic I am now. Uh, I mean, it's not super bad, but like, yeah, I, yeah. my 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 feet do not go like under the the blanket. My feet have to go out of the blanket so that they can like I feel like I'm safe. Okay. So do you still have the weighted blanket? Uh, I, I might, I might still have it. It might be in a box somewhere. Try putting it. So it's just on the, the center of your torso. Mm. Right. Cause it's the weight on the, it's really the weight on the chest. that makes the biggest, biggest impact for my, that's how I understand it, that it's the weight on the chest more than anything else. So if you can have it from like here down to like mm. your knees. Okay. Somehow, right. That's where most of the weight is. See if that helps. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try yeah. that. Um, without feeling like you're getting all trapped in. Um, another thing too, is are you supplementing with magnesium at all? I take, uh, I'll either do element, not specifically magnesium itself, but I'll do element T or I'll do, uh, the Redmond's hydrate one. uh, Yeah. Does that have more magnesium in it? It, I think it has a little bit more magnesium than element T, but then there's the potassium and the sodium. Okay, so I would do one of two options. One, either go get a specific magnesium supplement, 
that you can have anywhere. Everyone's going to be different. I do, I think it's four, about 400 and because it's like 120 per pill. So four pills is four, 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 480, 480. So I do almost 500 milligrams about an hour and a half before I go to bed for magnesium. Oh. It will help you knock out. I totally thought I was having okay. enough, but wow. Okay. No, no. Um, so you could probably do your act. You could probably do 600, but I would say start with three to 400 milligrams of magnesium. Um, I would recommend start with a magnesium glycinate. Mm. It's probably the easiest one that most people can metabolize without having to go crap their pants all the time. Um, magnesium glycinate, three to 400 milligrams, an hour and a half before you go to bed and see if that helps. Okay. Another option, Gonna if you want to just, instead of taking it specifically before you go to bed, um, there's a new uh, electrolyte product out called Salty. That I has, saw this on your Instagram. Okay. It's freaking fantastic. It has three times the amount of magnesium per serving as any other product, right? Okay. And it's $12 per box cheaper than Element. All right. right. So it's only, it's only like 33 bucks instead of 45 bucks for a month supply. Well, for me, it's like two weeks, but because um, I do like five, five or eight of them a day. But um, so if you get, if you're doing at least three of those three packets of salty per day, then you're going to get the overall magnesium throughout your day that you would need for the day that may bleed over into having a better night's sleep. Um, so either of those two options is what I would recommend. I'm, I'm going to try it. I, it's, it's it's a struggle. It's a struggle. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. the one thing is once I took the, like I would have like a TV or something, once I completely took that out, yeah. like I was just up, I like couldn't go to, I'm like, isn't this supposed to help? And it just, it's yeah. been a struggle. Yeah. I would say start with three to 400 milligrams of magnesium, uh, see how that works. If that doesn't work, maybe bump to five or 600. Um, if you, if 600 doesn't do it for you, then I'd start looking at some other options, but you might be surprised how much that, how much that helps. I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm all in it, the, before we kind of close out, cause I want to kind of talk about at the end, you and like some of the mm -hmm. you know, projects and all that stuff. Yeah. This is a big one. Um, that I, and I feel, and it, I've, I've, I have different like mindset myself about it is like the st stress, stress and stress management. And, and I, this is pulled from the book. Uh, mm -hmm. and I thought this was a great line. I like, I sat and I like thought about it a little bit after I'm like, this makes a ton of sense. And not really thinking of it in this way, but nutrition removes or manages biological stress while fitness helps the body manage external stresses. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm actually tossing around the idea that came to me after I wrote that, um, for an, another book that is hundred percent devoted to stress management and how nutrition and fitness play a role. Um, because everything that I find whenever I go look out stress management, it's all about meditation and lifestyle and habits and thought process and perception. And I'm like, okay, that's great. What are the things I can practically do in my life to help reduce stress? Right. And I find it all of the time with clients that improving your nutrition and improving your fitness automatically help you manage stress because stress is more than what happens up here. Stress is what happens in our body and what's what happens to our body, as well as how we perceive what's happening in our body and to our body and in the environment around us. It's a mental thing. It's a physical thing. It's a biological thing. So then that ties specifically to my three domains of, of, of 
quality of life, which are biological, neurological, and physiological, right? Those are the three main functions, systems of the human body. So when we look at stress management, we tend to only look at the mindset stuff and we don't look at, okay, when I eat, when I drink alcohol, I'm adding stress to my life. That stress from that glass of alcohol is getting added to the stress of getting fired from my job, that I have bills to pay, that um, my kid just got in trouble at school, that my my parents are calling me because they need me to help them move something over the weekend, and all the other things that are happening, that I have a, a sprained ankle because I wasn't doing something properly and I tripped down the stairs, right? Those all add up. The alcohol is not an isolated thing. It's part of the big picture. So in order to reduce and manage stress from any of the three domains that I could be getting stress from, I need to improve my nutrition and I need to improve my fitness. So removing internal stress by not putting things in our body that cause our body to do more work than it designed to do, than it wants to do, right? If your body has to do extra work in order to break something down and process food that you're putting into it, then it's not efficient. It's causing more oxidative stress. You're getting more reactive oxygen species. You're getting more um, things that can cause problems, chronic inflammation. That's really what we're talking about. And that's where all of these issues come from. Every system in your body is now chronically inflamed, which is another word for saying overstressed, right? That's really what it is. Um, and then if we're not exercising, we're weak, we have no mobility, we have no range of motion, we have no balance, we have no coordination. So everything in our life is physically more challenging than it needs to be. I don't have the muscle. I can't do this without help. I can't walk up the stairs. I can't bend down and pick something up. I can't catch my footing if I trip over one of my kid's toys and I'm going to fall flat on my face and break a hip, right? Everything becomes harder, which is another way of saying I have more stress if I'm not physically capable. So improving your fitness is a way to remove stress from your life. Improving your nutrition is a way to remove stress from your life. So it's not always in your brain. It's There's things you can do physically, choices you can make physically and biologically that can do the same thing as meditating. And for me, meditating is was was always hard. Like that's a yeah. hard thing. I can't sit. I've tried. I've sit. You know, listened to something on like a Spotify list of meditation, like voiceovers of like guided meditations. I can't. I can't. I got to get out. I got to move. Um, and going, kind of talking about that too. You hit a point, and it just made me think. As soon as you were setting, like the external um, of eating right. Not only is eating right, you know, I, again, I'm a big carnivore advocate. It, uh, that's 95% of things that go like that I ingest is, is just from the carnivore diet, red yeah. meat, bacon, eggs, right? Uh, I don't, that's one stress in my life that I've talked to people about is one that my relationship with food is completely like, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I, I don't have this like thing with food and from my big Italian family, that's all it's about. And yeah. I'm not, that doesn't consume me anymore, but also I have ground beef in my fridge. I have a couple steaks. I have some bacon. There's some eggs. Mm -hmm. I am not freaked out at any point of the day or stressed out about prepping for food or making food, whatever I will eat oh my when, God. I, when I eat. And some people, when I tell them like, ah, 
whenever I get home, I'll eat whatever. What are you going to have? I mean, I only have like five different things that I usually eat. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to think about it. It is there that the last time I'm, I'm having to prep my meals and, and box them up and make these things. I'm like, wow, I have so much more free time. I am so more relaxed just by doing this little thing. Well, it takes five minutes to shop. Yeah. I went to the store. I went to the, I went to five guys for dinner today and I stopped at Whole Foods next door and got, got some eggs. It's like, oh, we're out of eggs. Okay. I'll go, go, go buy three boxes of 18 eggs done. Grab it, go get my food. And I'm out. Like the most for me, when I go shopping, the most, the longest it takes me is like 15 minutes. And that's if there's a line at the self-checkout, right? I mean, I know what I'm getting. I'm getting eggs. Like you said, I'm getting eggs. I'm getting bacon. I might get some butter, some coffee and some meat. It's not, it's not it. Ding, ding, ding. They're all right near each other for the most part. You do a little circuit and then you go right to the checkout. Like it's not hard. Everything about this is so much easier, so much easier. And then you're right. No food prep. Um, and even, and you can get creative. Like I'll be, I, this is something I never thought, um, randomly about three weeks ago, right around Christmas, I guess. Um, uh, I usually, so we, we get like, we go to Costco sometimes and we get like the, the five pound big things of ground beef. Right. Um, and I usually like put them up into like a pound or pound and a half things, put them in the freezer separately, all this kind of stuff. And I did that. I like two of them, I had like 10 pounds of ground beef in the free, in the freezer. Um, I took a couple of them out. Instead of defrosting them, sitting them on the counter and letting them defrost, I threw them both in the crock pot, threw a little bit of water in there, put a bunch of slap your mom. I don't know if you know what slap your mom is. Oh no. my God, it's the best seasoning, dude. It's like <laughs> Cajun seasoning. Oh, so freaking good. Put a bunch of slap your mama in there, um, turn, turn the crock pot on. And I came back about an hour and a half later. It was all defrosted. It started to cook a little bit. So then I kind of chopped it up. Um, just kind of mashed it all up in there. Um, I have been eating. I don't know if you want to even call it a beef stew, but I've been putting meat. I just, I almost got to the point where there have been a few times where I didn't even empty the crock pot. I just put more, more meat in it. Like a mole? Right? <laughs> just, just kept putting more meat in it, kept putting more meat. Like the grease is getting higher and higher, right? I'm at the point now I don't even put water in it. I just put more meat in it because the grease is in there. It's fine. It'll cook. Um, but I just eating this crock pot stewed ground beef has been freaking amazing. I can't get enough of it right now. Yeah. It's crazy. It, uh, and it's, again, the less time and all that stuff, but also financially, right? I, I, I'm a big, people ask me all the time and I'm sure they ask you like, that's gotta be expensive. That's gotta be expensive. I don't waste anything. Nope. There's never anything I don't eat. Yep. Um, and I talk about this all the time. I've talked about this some other podcasts where how many times have, and I tell them, I'm like, how many times have you bought in a thing of spring, like uh salad, right? That the mix you know, garden spring yep. mix. And it's like this yep. deep. And then you throw it away because it's mush at the bottom. I'm like, yep. that never happens to yep. me. Yep. And the other thing too is this is one thing calories are good for. One thing they're good for is cost per calorie. Hmm. Right. If, if you do an analysis of cost per calorie, I guarantee you carnivores come out on top. Yeah. Like just the nutrition, just the nutrition you're getting right. you're the bang for your buck. And it doesn't have to be again. We can, if you could swing it, you know, you're getting the grass fed from this and all that. And I've done posts on yep. this too. It's just like, I go to Aldi, I look at it, you know, first, but I, you know, there's, I have a local, it's all stuff. All these actually, 
<laughs> shout out to Aldi. Oh, but Aldi's they, the bomb, man. Yeah, I'm telling yeah. you, we did, we're there all the time. Yeah, there's, and actually I got to post this to my ma sent it to me because I told her and I've got her and my sister kind of getting on carnivore and they're, they're doing yeah, pretty yeah. good. Um, but Aldi is now going to more local. They're not shipping in from like California. It's too really? expensive. Yeah, well, at okay. least the ones in Illinois, like all the meats from like Batavia, Illinois, like that goes okay. to Chicago. Like I haven't picked up like a, a package of ground beef or meat and it not been from Illinois. But I, I think nice. you're saying the cost to ship it Oh, yeah. is so more expensive looks way more expensive so it's easier for them to find farms locally out here and you can get you know the um grain finish there's grass fed it's not over the top it's not $30 a steak um again you could get better cuts other places but it's like i don't yeah. need it's yeah it's good to have it once in a while but i don't need a $40 steak every day it's just no. So whatever and, it is. and for most people, if, if money is a concern, because I mean, obviously money is a concern for some people. If you're interested in doing the carnivore diet and you are on a budget, I would rather you go to Walmart and get the five pound tub tube, right? Sausage mm-hmm. looking thing of ground beef that costs like $9 for five pounds, right? Than anything else. If that is the only option you have, that's going to be Three million times better than anything else you're going to get. So go for that before you before you give up on carnivore. Yeah, and then so you right. read the I'd rather you yeah. I'd rather you buy a bunch of cheap hot dogs and eat hot dogs every day, than than give up on carnivore. You look at that. It's that, going to be better for you than the other crap you're eating. That tube of ground beef. You read the ingredients. Beef. Beef. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, right. That's it. Sometimes I don't even like, I don't even know what's in the other aisles anymore because I just right. go to the one spot that has the meat and all the or whatever. And I have my route and I don't even know where anything else is. Yep. Um, uh, well, I want to just kind of end with kind of you and one, just your regiment. Everybody always kind of like curious of like, all right, what does this guy do? You know, so yeah, yeah like what, what's the secret? So you want like my sauce? date, my like my daily thing, or just yeah? Uh, like so a week, like in a week, week like, like how many times yeah. are you strength training in a week, and like what's mm-hmm. the, we kind of touched on the meals too, but if you want to say yeah. like this is this is kind of what I really eat. I know people. Eat yeah, lunch. it's uh, it'll be general because it it varies based on what's happening in the day, but in general, um, right now we get up in the morning, uh, we do about thirty minutes of a walk. We uh, so Coach Nat and I, I don't know if you know Coach Nat. Um, we get up in the morning, we do a 30 minute walk. We do a live on my YouTube channel. Uh, just talking about random stuff. We go upstairs in our apartment building. We have a little workout area upstairs. So we go on a treadmill and walk for 30 minutes, kind of wake up, start the day, do a YouTube live. Um, then it's come down, get ready for the day, get dressed, get my coffee. Um, and then I go to work. So I'm, I'm work. I work in it, my normal job. So I go to work. Um, and then I'm at work. Uh, luckily I work two blocks from where I live. So sometimes I'll come home for a late breakfast or early lunch, which is usually probably 10 to 11, um, where I'll do six to eight eggs or six eggs and half a pound to a pound of ground beef, something like that. Um, That's my first meal of the day. Then uh, after work, I'll come home probably around four or so, uh, get ready to go to the gym, Go to the gym, do a workout on the days that I work out, come home by 6.30-ish and eat a meal, 6 to 6.30. Uh, and then I'm usually I'm getting my master's in exercise science. I'm studying. I'm also going for my CSCS. 
So I'm, I'm, I usually study most evenings if I'm not also working on the next book that's coming out. So there's an evening project stuff that I'm always doing pretty much every night um, or making videos, doing interviews like this, things like that. Uh, so my evenings are pretty much business dedicated. Um, that's my daily routine. Um, and then getting ready for bed. Getting ready for bed is uh, usually try to get to, to sleep by night by 10 o'clock. So we start getting ready for bed around nine, doing all the different things, um, shutting things down, getting things ready for bed. Uh, that's my normal routine. Um, workout wise, um, oh, and my second meal is pretty much the same as my first meal. It's going to be eggs or ground beef. I might throw in some bacon. Maybe there's some chicken if we have some for whatever reason or fish, things like that. But 89, 85, 90% of the time, it's ground beef and, and eggs is what I'm eating for my meals. Um, exercise wise, uh, we talked about how things have changed for me. When I first got started, it was CrossFit all day, all the time. Um, that has changed. I'm now actually doing more of a hypertrophy program. So I'm doing a, a, an upper lower split, essentially. It's kind of a little more complicated than that, but I'm essentially doing an upper lower split two days a week or twice a week. So four days total in an eight week cycle. So I work out, I'll do a leg day, take a break, do an upper day, take a break, do a leg day, take a break, do an upper day, take a break. So every eight days, I'm starting the cycle over again, essentially is how it works. Um, but in between every major muscle group, I have three days of rest. So I'm trying to maximize my rest, but I'm also getting a high, bunch of volume. So I'm doing uh, five sets of 10 to 15 based on the movement in the workouts. So it's a higher volume, set, higher volume sets um, with a three-day break in between. So, and we can maybe get on another time and talk about the specifics of that because I've been experimenting for years on what I think is a really good program for people in their 40s and 50s trying to build muscle um, where we can balance our recovery, but still get enough stimulus to grow. And this thing that I'm doing now, I'm in week five of this program and I'm actually having the most fun and seeing the most progress with the way I'm approaching it than anything I've ever tried. So I'm, I'm really enjoying it a lot. But by people hearing your routine, like it's, I'm, I'm getting up walking, you know, I'm eating twice a day, you know, pretty basic food and yep. I'm going in the gym four days a week. Yep. It's like, it doesn't have to be so crazy. Yeah. This yeah. is not, yeah. It's not the movie. And I'm not doing any cardio. Back. I'm not doing any real cardio because when I'm walking, yeah, we're walking, but it's not like we're trying to, to beat anything. Right. I put it on two and a half for me. I put it on two and a half and I put it on like two and a half or three elevation because we're talking, we're doing a live. So it's not like we're trying to get a workout in. I'm not trying to speed walk on the treadmill and it's only 30 minutes, right? It's more about how I want to start my day. I want to start my day moving, right? So I'm not doing, it's not fat burn walking. I'm not trying to get into zone two. I'm not trying to optimize my VO2 max or any of that kind of stuff, right? I'm just trying to start my day with some, some movement. Yeah. But yeah, we'll, I want to yeah get you back on and, and we'll dive into the strength training. Sure. There's uh, so you said there's a book coming out. If you want to talk about some yeah upcoming, yeah upcoming so, things about what's what's happening. Yeah, so a lot of the stuff we talked about, a lot of the concepts I introduced in my last book, I'm digging into a lot more. Right. So instead of just talking about, we talk about nutrient density, bioavailability, and satiety on the nutrition side. We also talk about the same. I have I've identified nine tenets of health, right? So there's three tenets for mindset, three tenets for nutrition, three tenets for fitness, 
right? So, you know, know, know your why, know who you want to be and know how you're going to get there on the mindset. Um, we talk about the nutrition ones and then on fitness, it's move well, move weight and move often. Right. And I break down what those mean, how we take those principles at the top level to determine what our choices are at the bottom level, on the individual level. Right. Because your interpretation of those things based on your why is going to be different than my interpretation of those things based on my why and my context and my experience. So helping people walk through the process, this is essentially what is my method. When I when I work with a client, I ask all these questions. We go through all these things and try to identify how do we walk through what this person needs when I'm working with them versus when this person comes to me, how do I figure out what they need? Because it's not the same thing. Right. So essentially, if if you get this book um, and you finish it and then I have some practical things we can do at the end, I'm actually introducing a challenge that will be a free challenge anyone can do that basically takes all of these these principles and puts it into a format that you can actually walk through yourself over a 60 day period. Right. How do we take these principles of mindset and nutrition and fitness and walk through a process? Here's step one. Here's step two. Do this this week. Do this the next week. Do this the next week. And start implementing some of these things so that you can experiment and figure out what your own context is and how to apply the small changes you need to move forward. And then repeat that process over and over for the rest of your life. And you got a, a specific book title for it? I do not have a book title. I was going to call it Principles Over Protocols. Um, that's kind of the idea, right? The principles never change. The protocols we use to apply those principles will change, guaranteed 100%. Um, but that's not something I, I need something that people can look at it and number one, kind of catch their eye, but also number two, explain by the title, kind of an idea what the book is about. So I'm still, I'm still kind of working on what the title is going to be, Cool. Um, but I'm looking at probably May, June ish. If everything goes well, I should be nice. announcing something then hopefully. I'll definitely be on the lookout for sure. And then uh, for the for those that don't know, your your other book is the Ultimate Ketogenic Fitness Book. So I highly suggest either get the paperback or Audible for those that you know, Audible Audible is that, official now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, for those that are not you know not a fan of reading books, uh, listening to them. But um, anything uh, else coming up, or or how people can contact you or get yeah, get in touch anywhere with anywhere you? you want to go, just type in Coach Bronson and I'll probably come up. Um, I got a YouTube channel. I'm on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram. Uh, follow my YouTube. I've got. I just realized I got a notice the other day that I crossed over a thousand a thousand videos on my YouTube channel. Amazing. So between awesome. exercise, between exercise videos, content that I put out, interviews, shorts, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, um, I was like, I've been a thousand videos. Holy crap! Wow. And there's more coming out all the time. So I recently started. Um, I'm still working out the bugs because I don't. It's something new for me. But I recently started doing lives for all my workouts. So uh, every other day, if you go to, if you want to go to my YouTube channel in the afternoon, I'm on the east east coast. Um, you'll find a live me doing my workout. I'm just at the gym, set up my tripod and then just do my workout and ask, answer questions, talk to people while I'm doing it, explain what I'm doing, walk through different things, whatever. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely link the, the Instagram and the website on the show notes, but I know the listeners are going to be super excited for this and, and thank you for coming on the podcast today. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I know you asked me before and I just had a lot of stuff going on. So I'm glad I was able to finally make it. No worries. No worries. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Primal Foundations podcast. Thank you all for joining us. 
If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. See you all next time on the Primal Foundations podcast.